Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. Our thanks as ever to Rehoy and Son for their support of the show. Uh, coming up, we'll talk FNB Prio League as Vale Rec go to the top of the table with a resounding win over Rovers. Uh, we'll also reflect on Guernsey FC's defeat at Footslane over the weekend and speak to their number one, Josh Addison, who joined us in the studio um, to talk about the season so far, his development as a keeper uh, and a few other things besides. Um, that's all to come with me, Tony Kern, alongside me as ever. It's Gareth DePrevo. Hi, Tony. And this week, Rob Batties. Hello, Tony. Great to see you both. Thank you. Good to be here. What have you been up to, Rob? Um, not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, getting getting a book ready, for, which I started publicising last week, but um, doing a few things with Rangers, of course, and um, seen as many games as I can, but not enough, unfortunately. Yeah, well, we'll talk about your book maybe at the end, uh, a quick word on that. Um, but let's start with the football and let's start with uh, what happened at Portsmouth, where, Gareth, you were there to see um, Wreck win 4-0 over the champions, um, which uh, there was um, some discussion in your report, I think, between sort of you and uh, Mark Romero as to whether it was a statement win or not. Was it a statement win? Well, in some ways, I suppose it has to be regarded as one. You know, you don't go to Portsmouth against the reigning Premier League champions, beat them 4-0 and not say it was a statement because... Uh, it was it was very clinical from Valrec. They um, they made the most of their chances. It was quite a bitty game actually, as, as um, Mark Rommel said to me after the after the game. The, the wind was actually a bit more surprising and played a bit more of a, a role in the game than he expected beforehand. I mean, for Portsmouth, for me to be turning up in a t-shirt and shorts at the end of September is absolute balmy, really, and quite literally in two ways. But um, it was a lovely day. But when you got there and, you know, the nature of the pitch being a firm pitch, the, the, the lightweight, bouncy ball these days, it actually made it quite hard to play some sort of decent football. Um, but Rec, um, you know, they they defended really well. I thought the back two of uh, Matt Ozan and Damien Larkin were, were excellent. And um, their front three of... Um, Jacob Marston, Pipe, Marlon Jardim, and uh, Louis Travis, they they looked a real handful and um, they just sort of played to their strengths. They they broke quickly, they they broke clinically, and they made the most of their chances and sort of 2 0 up at half time, forcing Rovers to come at them in the second half, just played to that ideally for Val Reckon. They ended up scoring sort of two more goals in the last 10 minutes to to really um, to clinch the points in, in some some style, really. Well, let's hear what uh, Varek's uh, coach had to say. Gareth, yeah, you spoke to Mark Rommel at full time. Congratulations, mate. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Obviously, a uh, very um, convincing win. I mean, what pleased you most about the performance? I just think the way we adapted the first half, really, to the conditions. I mean, we didn't really, we underestimated the wind. Yeah. Um, it was quite significant. Yeah. It's something we didn't even talk about before the game, which was a bit of, on our side, a bit of a, you know, attention to detail. But I thought the boys quickly realised that, um, you know, we actually actually had to go a little bit longer yeah. and we just had to win the second ball. And I thought that, I said to them at half time, that was a really pleasing thing because a year ago they probably wouldn't have had that in them. Yeah. But they, And it's very difficult from the sidelines to try to change it like that. But they did it upon themselves and then, you know, they played, they won the second ball. And I think when we've got the players in those advanced roles like Jacob, Louis and Marlon, we're a threat to anyone. So yeah. when we picked up that second ball, we created some really good opportunities. Mm-hmm. So I think it was just the the way they adapted, really, was the most pleasing part about that. Yeah. And also sort of to be able to 
take those chances in a big game like this. You want to, be, you need to take the chances you create, don't you? And you did that ruthlessly today. Yeah, and that's and that comes out. We've had two weeks to think about this game. Do you know what I mean? And that's what we did. That's what I said in my, you know, to Harry the other day in terms of the preparation. We've spent two weeks looking at this game. Mm. So you know, we did an hour and a half of finishing drills and playing through the lines on Wednesday night. So it's pleasing, you know, because the boys, you know, they they can be quite clinical. You know, you know, Jacob and you know, the, th the front three are all, you know, they're good. You know, they're good goals in them. So yeah. Yeah, um, I hate saying this in September, but is that a bit of a, a bit of a statement win from you guys? Oh, I'll let you guys decide that. I mean, you know, I, we're three games in, so you know, I mean, I know there's a bit of noise, but um, yeah, I'll let you guys do the talk, and we just, you know, we literally switch off on this one now, and we focus on the next game. It's as simple as that. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know when the last time a team came down and won four 0 So if that's a statement, then I guess it is. But um, but yeah, that's for others to talk about rather than me. Yeah. But from your point of view, it's just great to have that momentum and, and keep it going as well. Yeah, we've had it. Well, we, you know, we've had it for a year, really. I mean, you know, every game last season was a meaningful game for us. You know, we were, you know, we were pushing, we were pushing, you know, in every game last season. So we've just followed that through. Um, the boys have been terrific. You know, they're, they, they're bought into what we want to do and the way we want to play and they get their awards today, I guess. Rep coach Mark Romrell speaking to Gareth there. Rob, you said at the top that you haven't seen quite as much football as you would have wanted. Um, have you seen enough of Rec and uh, of the other challengers to say that they're, uh, they've got a serious um, role to play in this title race? Well, I've seen Rec twice this season, both in the Rawlinson and in the Prioli when they beat Rangers. And it doesn't surprise me that they're sort of much improved this year for two reasons. Is that they've got Marlon Jardim is really firing and seems to be back to the player he was five years ago. They've got Keanu Marsh who's playing regularly and really playing very, very well down the right flank, gives them a lot of extra attacking dimension, but also stability in selection. The last few years, Valrec, <laughs> you turn up a Valrec game and their teams seem to be four, five, six different from the game previously. And they've never got any rhythm going you know, at all. But this year, they seem to be very, very stable in their selection. The, the team is more or less the side you'd expect to turn out. And I think that's sort of paying dividends that they are actually improving as a team through familiarity as much as anything else. Yeah, Gareth, what about the other side of that coin with Rovers losing 4-0 at home? Um, how much of a blow was that? Well, it, I mean, obviously, you don't want to be losing 4-0, but it's certainly, as, as I put in my report, um, Kevin Gillies won't be pressing any panic buttons because of that one result. They just didn't quite click on the day, and it was... It was one of those things, but they were still in the game, you know, even sort of with court now to go. They've shown already this season that they've gone behind, I think, in pretty much every game, but they fought back to win. And, you know, after 75 minutes, it was still, if they'd have got a goal then, you'd have thought they might even go on and win this, not let alone get a point. Um, but yeah, then then a very clinical break came pretty much half the length of the field with, with no one to chase. Louis Travis um, sort of finished them off, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things when when you're champions, you, you, you've you got that pride about it. You don't want to be losing any game, but to lose a game 4-0 is, is going to be obviously disappointing. And I think whoever Rovers got next, I think they've got a Jeremy Cup game next. Um, they uh, I think there could be a bit of a backlash coming their opposition's way. Yeah, St. Clement coming over uh, this weekend. Um, well, elsewhere uh, on Saturday, um, Sylvan's 2-0 winners at Bells. And Rob, um, you were there to see Rangers uh, win 3-0 against Alderney, what did you make of what you saw there? It was very much as you expected, really. Um, it was a bit of a stroll in the park for um, the Rangers. Um, Alderney, they had a, f a full squad. You know, probably had 16 players there, but they are pretty toothless, to be fair. You know, um, and there's not much is going right for them. They had quite a few injuries during the game. 
um, which I must say was played on an absolutely fantastic surface. <laughs> you could tell the cricket season just finished. It was a, probably the best surface I've ever seen for a football match, to be honest. Locally, it was wonderful. Rangers have said one easy, even though they had bit, only half a team themselves and they, they're going through a bit of an injury crisis at the moment. And... Um, Chris Tardy was having to bring in players left, right and centre from the reserves and the under-18s, etc. But no, um, I feel a bit sorry for Alderney. I mean, you know, they are they are lacking in quality. Um, they've still got plenty of heart, but um, I'm afraid... I th- whether they last the season, I'm not so sure. You know, you've, I've heard whispers already, you know, that they may withdraw. Um, those have since been sort of... Um, denied, but um, I can't help thinking that they might would have been better this season playing just the Cups and a series of friendlies with local clubs to keep them keep their football going because I think a full programme could be very painful for them, particularly after what we saw last year when it which was a real, real struggle. It must be pretty dispiriting for the lads and it's not nice to see when you think what they've done in recent years when they were a real, real boon to the Prio League, you know, when they were challenging for the title one season and they had a really good team, you know, Ross Benfield was kipper, one of the best centre-backs around. You had Stevie Kincannon playing as well, a young Germ- a younger and fitter Germain Parry, uh, Marion State, the Romanian, you know, they were a much, much better team than they are now and it's, whilst I admire them for keeping going, it does worry me. Yeah, we'll see how that progresses this season for Rangers. First, um, first win of the season. Um, this, yeah, there's definitely a lot to play for in that kind of bottom half of the Premier League. Yeah, um, I think Chris is sort of aiming for a top four spot, and I was working out last night um, what our team may well be come the end of October because we've really, really been rocked by a lot of injuries, um, and I think you'll see the Rangers team by the end of the October will be quite quite different than what we've seen in the last few weeks when we've played pretty well but um, not got the results but I've said um, it'd be nice not to play North all the time we've played them already twice <laughs> this season in various cups and in the next week we've got them in the um, in the Guernsey FA Cup and in the league uh, <laughs> so we welcome some different opposition from from time to time yeah weekend of cup football coming up um, it's Sylvans against Grooville uh, Rovers against St Clement and Velrec against St Peter and uh, yeah in the FA Cup Rangers North. Um, so that's to come this weekend. Right, moving on to Guernsey FC, um, a 1 0 defeat for them at Foots Lane on Saturday afternoon, uh, going down to a yeah, single goal against Marlow. Um, Simon Delary has joined us in the studio um, to reflect on that one. Del, you were on commentary duties um, for the club on Saturday. And it was a game that came down to uh, a contentious moment in the end. Of, uh, well, certainly as far as uh, Tony Vance was concerned. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, a lot of the Garen stand as well would have agreed with him. Um, there was uh, quite a lot of booing for the ref on various occasions on this particular uh, match. Uh, Gary Cayley, the referee, um, apparently not seeing a foul on Joe Alvarez for the crucial incident, uh, Tony Vance was telling me. Um, and also... Um, that it, it was offside, um, it, so Tony was claiming. Um, and I think, a lot, as I say, a lot of the people in the stand thought so too. It, it was fairly marginal. It wasn't sort of an absolutely blatant one, as far as I could see, but uh, Tony saying that he'd seen the footage and was convinced um, that it was indeed offside. And because that was the only goal of the game, um, it doesn't matter that it was a fine finish at the 
end of the of it as far as the Guernsey uh, fans were concerned. Uh, they saw Harper putting it in the back of the net, and Guernsey did have time to claw it back from there. And they they huffed and puffed. They did create a few chances actually, but uh, ultimately. It was uh, another defeat which pushes them down into the relegation zone. And, uh, you know, it's three points now from six matches. Um, and so you might expect that uh, with that situation and um, the frustration of the officiating, um, that uh, Vance would have been uh, particularly disappointed. But actually, um, he was taking a lot of positives from the performance and from Guernsey living with uh, one of the better teams in the division, he felt. And uh, he's of the view that things are looking up. Yeah, well, they were without um, well, quite a few players, weren't they? Uh, they chucked Ross Allen on right at the death. Uh, he's just got back from from a few weeks away. Um, Kesman wasn't there. Chant Govan was serving out the last game of his suspension. A couple of other absentees as well, Dodd and Dodds. Um, so, you know, all in all, yeah, some significant uh, players not involved there. So actually to uh, to keep them kind of in the game for so long was a pretty good effort against Milo. I think in terms of the decision, I was filming uh, or getting some shots from firstly behind um, the goal that we were attacking in the first half and then between the two dugouts in the second half. And it's the classic case of the visiting manager and assistant coach moaning at literally every single decision uh, during the game, except for the one um, uh, that, that, that was given in their favour um, for them to score the goal. So Yeah, but, just... for, but then again, for the sake of balance, you know, Tony admitted himself that there could have been a penalty for Marlowe as well and and was, um, you know, also accepting of the fact that Guernsey had opportunities and had they taken some of them, it could have been very different. So, um, you know, it was, it was a game of two halves in a way. In the first half, um, Marlowe wasted quite a few opportunities. They kept robbing Guernsey of the ball uh, when they were trying to play out from the back. They were pressing very well, um, but they kept just kicking it straight at Josh Anderson, um, uh, although he did make a couple of great saves as well. Um, and then uh, in the second half, Guernsey came much more into it. And I, I was quite optimistic that Guernsey were going to see that home, but uh, in, in the end, it wasn't them finding the winner. It was the, the visitors. Yeah, there was one moment where the ball was squared to Keen Domal in the box, and I was convinced it was just, he was just going to strike it home. Home and uh, yeah, it was a last sort of ditch interception, kind of um, the Milo defender just getting something on it to turn it around the uh, the corner of the post. So um, yeah, a disappointing afternoon. A um, couple of away trips to come next for GFC. They go to Thatcham Town and then uh, to Chipstead on Saturday and the following Tuesday and then back at home against Ashford Town on Saturday the 14th. So we'll see how they go in those away games and um, yeah, we'll see them back at back on home soil in a couple of weeks. Um, well, cheers, Del. Coming up next, we'll hear from Josh Addison about Saturday's game and also uh, about, uh, well, I suppose his, his career to date so far. Yeah, indeed, and his man of the match performance on Saturday. Josh, welcome to the pod. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for the invite. Really good to see you. Um, uh, shame we couldn't be reflecting on a on a win or even a point for GFC on Saturday, um, but we've just been talking about it. Um, yeah, bit of a frustrating one, I guess, in the end to concede uh, what was a fairly controversial goal. Um, but yeah, how did you guys feel in the dressing room after that one? A bit deflated. I don't think we played badly. I think we kept them at bay a lot of the time. Like I said before, we didn't really, they didn't have many shots on goal. We prevented a lot, um, but we didn't really trouble their keeper. I think a draw probably was a fair result, but I mean... We had a few missing and they're a top team. So, I mean, 1-0 isn't awful. Obviously, it's no points, but there's plenty of positive to build on. Yeah, good to hear. And you were quite busy, um, maybe not with any kind of spectacular saves to make, but sort of quite, you spent a lot of time on the floor in the box, um, diving at people's feet and stuff, and, and it was enough to earn man of the match. Um, yeah, 
obviously you had to pick out um, pick out one from the back of the net. It was a, it was a pretty fantastic finish that I, I, well, I don't suppose many keepers would have uh, would have got close to. But in terms of your own performance on the day, um, yeah, did you feel like you you um, you carried out your duties well? Yeah, I think so. We've been working all week with um, Geordie in training because he'd been doing a bit of analysis about them and what they how they play. So I think we'd literally been working on everything that happened in the game. We'd already worked on it, so it just sort of fell into place, really. In terms of this season so far, Josh, um, GFC now, unfortunately, sort of sit 19th, I think, in the table. But um, from what the performances I've seen, I wasn't there on this weekend, just gone, but performances I've seen, we've certainly got nothing to fear in this league, have we? We seem to be pretty much a match for everyone we play. It's just a case of getting that extra couple of percent here and there to get that result that we need. Yeah, I think it's always... It's all, we're in obviously a different situation to the other teams. They're always going to be available because I think majority of the teams in our league are being paid. It's it's a part-time job for them. It's just more income. I mean, it's not obviously how expensive Guernsey FC is to run. I don't think it's viable for obviously us to get paid what they get paid. So having that commitment maybe might, is, that's where we sort of lack maybe. Just having that consistent 11 every week like they do. I think if we could do that, then if we get that group together consistently, I think there's no reason why we can't push mid-table playoffs, especially with like the young lads coming through. Because I think we might have missed sort of like a, a few years of the kids. They didn't really want to play. They weren't interested. But I think the year, like obviously Jack Griffin, Owen, 18 and below now, I think there's quite a few that want to make the step up, which is only going to be a positive for us. Yeah, that's really encouraging. Um, you know, we heard from Tony a couple of weeks ago. He said that the, the atmosphere actually in the group is as good or as enjoyable as, a, as an atmosphere that he's experienced um, in, a, in a Guernsey dressing room for quite a while. Do you agree with that? Do you get a sense of the same thing? Yeah, I think training's, training's fine at the minute. We're all, I think everyone's bought into how we want to play, which is obviously encouraging. And how we want to play is obviously how the players want to play. So it just makes it more enjoyable for us to turn up on a Tuesday night, Thursday night, do the sessions and obviously ready, get ready for Saturday in the games. Yeah, because there was some chat ahead of the season that, that you know, GFC were going to try and play a bit more of a, a possession <laughs> game this year. Um, and, and certainly that first first match at Footslay in the victory, um, it kind of you know, sort of played out exactly that way. For, for you as a keeper, who's kind of pretty good with your feet, um, that must be the, exactly the sort of you know style that, that you want to fit into, right? Yeah, of course. It's, I, I enjoy having the ball. It's just... The way it, I think this way everyone wants to play football. No one really wants to pump it long. And then, I mean, it works for non league. You see teams do it against us a lot of the time because they just don't have the players to technically to do it. They're just bullies, a lot of them. But I mean, it works. But I mean, we're not as big as them. We've obviously, with Mars now in the team, we've got more of a target, but we don't want to. Last resort, we can do that 90th minute chasing the game. But I think everyone wants to play out from the back because it's just. It, it's technically it's a lot better game it's nice to watch I mean if I want to go and pay to watch a game of football I'd, I'd rather watch that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a few degree I think <laughs> um, you mentioned sort of like the physicality I suppose of, of the opponents you play against I mean when we look at Guernsey FC and what it offers local players, we, we generally sort of think of outfielders. You know, it's like it is that more physical game. It's perhaps a bit better standard and whatever than you get in the Prio. But from a goalkeeping point of view, I mean, do you notice a step up as well from what you have to do sort of game to game compared to domestic football? I think certain teams, like I said, obviously some play a lot of long ball stuff. And obviously that wasn't my strong point coming into probably a couple of years ago. We worked on it a lot last season. So I think it's I've definitely got a lot better at it and more confident in it because I know that teams are going to come and they're going to look at me at five foot, six foot, five <laughs> foot nine, and say, put it on the goalie. That's mm. just what teams are going to do. Mm. So I know that I've got to 
be brave and be a bit more dominant than I'm, than I'm used to doing because they like I said they they are you see the defenders they're six foot over or majority of them are six foot over we don't if we're like Saturday when we're missing Jacob and Dodd we we lack a little bit of height maybe and dominance so that means that I've got to do a little bit extra just to take a bit of pressure off the defence yeah how much you feel like you've developed as a as a keeper in the last few years a lot <laughs> I think the change of job so I can actually commit properly to it it helped a lot because then I know I I know I can play rather than oh, I might not be able to play next week someone call or that was massive and obviously having Geordie Kelly step up as a goalie coach to have someone work with you specifically in your position it's only ever going to benefit me yeah but did you move jobs to be able to play more football I moved jobs because I was on call a lot so I was a week on week off so I couldn't commit to football it was a pain obviously having with a family now as well so yeah just it was just so much easier I agreed with the new job to not be on call they were happy with that so it's just I can I don't have to worry about say Saturday, like I said Saturday oh I can't travel or it's just now available all the time works good with it Mrs might disagree but, <laughs> but yeah I know I'm available for every game now yeah that's awesome and then was there a moment in your kind of development that that you the kind of I don't know that the sort of the confidence clicked and you, you kind of you thought like yeah I want to make that number one shirt for for Guernsey FC my own yeah well I've always wanted I know for I've, I've always wanted to, I've won the Prio very early and I won like the FA Cup so I mean and I feel like the Prio it, it's not without being disrespectful I feel like it got a bit stale and I knew I just wanted to make it I wanted to challenge myself I didn't want to be in a eight-team league you play every team four times you, you end in a cup competition you end up playing the same team six seven times a season I'd rather make that step up, play at the highest league I can play at, just to test myself because I can't play forever. I think that's another thing I've come to realise is I I can't play forever. So I just want to enjoy it while I can and just, yeah, just keep pushing. Yeah, awesome. And, and obviously this summer with the Island Games, um, you, you, you weren't... Uh... You weren't given the shout. Um, obviously, James uh, Hammond came back and, um, uh, and and played his part um, for, for the island. How, how big a sort of disappointment was that for you? I mean, what was the the kind of was, was that a big blow in, in terms of your confidence going into this season as well? No, it wasn't a blow in confidence at all. No, because obviously I know how good Ham, uh, James can be or how good he is, especially last season. I saw how consistent he was, so I understood why they did it. Obviously the. The big thing for me was I played my first Marathi last season. I got the number one shirt and I thought that would have been like the icing on the cake. It didn't happen, but obviously I was still involved in it. So it was still a good experience. It was learning. But then on that side, it it it, it just made me want to push on this season even more. It gave me even more of a kick just to keep progressing. And obviously we're going to have an Ireland Games in the next, is it next year or the year after? And there's another Marathi end of the season. This season, we've still got 30 odd games left. There's just so much more I can offer and push on with. Yeah, there's a lot to play for. Uh, yeah, the Island Games in a couple of years in Orkney. Um, Marathi away, that was obviously another big, big disappointment. Um, a really close uh, close one in the end. I mean, have you guys already got one eye on, on May and, and putting that right in, in Jersey? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, think, I think we always do, but we definitely have got, we've got a lot more to focus on before we get there. But yeah, I think it's one thing. It's the date and the calendar everyone looks for. As soon as that gets announced, you, you're looking forward to it. Yeah, just um, sort of perhaps going back more to the side. Have you actually always been a goalkeeper? I mean, like we say, you, you're, it's always been noticeable that you've been decent with your feet. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, is it, what sort of has made you into a goalkeeper? Is it was that something that just you were just attracted to that position? I just don't like running. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you I might have had the same thing, Gary. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I can't run. That's a different matter. <laughs> um, I I remember being a keeper probably when I first. 
so when I first started, you you kind of just all play. You, I suppose you just have a go everywhere. Mm. And I think I got to an age where I realised that I was okay in goal. I didn't like running, and it just sort of stuck. And then obviously everyone, there was a lot of comments coming through when I was wasn't really growing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I was just when I was younger, I was one of those kids that I just played football all the time. Mm. I'd always be out playing football in the garden or Lamar Field with friends, so I'd be playing anyway. So that side of it, the football inside of it, I didn't really practice the technical outfield, obviously, side of it. But I was just always kicking a football. So I suppose that just, the confidence just comes from that because it just feels natural. Because your distribution is phenomenal. Um, you know, you, you've got a real range of passing. Um, I love the way that you kind of chop across the ball and you can send it low, send it high. Um, is it quite fun when you've got the ball in your hand and you're just sort of thinking, who am I going to pick out here? <laughs> yeah, I enjoy, obviously, I do it. I do those little sidelines. They're quite enjoyable when they come off because it's been a, I'm not really, like I said, I'm not really an outfielder, so I don't really get to do it a lot. So when you do get to do it, kind of showcase what. <laughs> it's a bit of showboating yeah, almost, yeah. isn't it, for a goalkeeper doing something like that? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I practised it. That, that took a lot of practice out when I was younger. So to do it, you have the confidence to do it in a game as well. Yeah. But I know for the other side of it is I know that it can help us, especially attacking. Because if I can see something early and get it, miss the fullbacks or miss the full, even go to the forward line, it's only a benefit to us. Yeah, you mentioned Jordan Kelly before. He's taking his coaching really seriously now, isn't he, on, on, on the yeah. keeping front. Um, that can only be a good thing, presumably, for goalkeepers across the island. I mean, what, what's your view at the moment about the, the strength of the the kind of the pool of keepers we've got and, and those coming through? Have you, have you sort of seen anyone that you've got an eye on thinking that, that they might be coming for that shirt? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Chris has played a game this season and he's definitely the one behind me at the minute. Um, I think he's really been pushing me because I've seen what he can do in training. Obviously, you've got Jason Hart. He's not really... I've not seen him recently. I think maybe work commitments have slowed him down a little bit, but I know how good he can be. So there's definitely people behind me that that's if I can if I stop, I know that I'm going to be out of the team. That's just how it is. Mm. Um, but yeah, going the other side of it, Jordy Kelly. He, like you said, he's taking it very seriously. Um, but he is probably barring the work side of it. He's the main reason I'm playing how I am because we obviously haven't had him dedicated goalie coach for. Probably before Cal, because we had Scott and Chris Hammond, but that was seven years ago, eight years yeah. ago now. Mm -hmm. And but obviously to have that dedicated coach who does the analysis, obviously games get recorded. We go through the clips together. We're always chatting to each other. Again, Mrs. doesn't like it. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's definitely, it ha obviously, like I said, a specific coach is only going to be a positive because we, we might do a little bit in training with the outfielders like before Geordie started doing this, but there was no really... Obviously, it's, it, it's a different position. It's, it's almost like a sport in a sport. Mm. So you can't get the benefit from doing the outfielder stuff without that dedicated side coach as well. But yeah, it's definitely, like I said, the, that's the only reason I'm playing as well as I am is because I have that support as well from behind. Yeah, because uh, yeah, for a keeper, I suppose, it's like that thing where you've got a lot of time where you're kind of probably in your own thoughts watching the game. And then when you are called into action, it's like almost pure instinct yeah. and split second decisions. Um, how, how much are you thinking about the stuff that you've worked on in training, or, you know, in the 90 minutes? I'll just, well, Geordie tells me not to think. <laughs> <laughs> it's Geordie's biggest thing for me. He always says, don't think, just do. <laughs> I've got a habit of overthinking things. But yeah, like you said, like this week with the Marlow, he said, we went through how they play. They did exactly that. We'd worked on it, so it all just fell into place. So it just, it just makes my life a lot easier. And again, I haven't got to do the thinking. We let Jordy do the thinking. <laughs>
When you sort of like coming up through the youth ranks, maybe did you? I mean, it's it's you sort of sprung my mind here because you mentioned Chris Hammond, who was when I was a kid, he was like the yeah. man when it came. In. Did you have any sort of idols as such, either locally or perhaps even in the professional game in terms of goalkeepers? I didn't really watch the game locally when I was younger. I don't think not not that I remember. I mean, I probably went to I probably went to games, but no uh, no one really stuck out. But I'm, I'm an Arsenal fan, so David Seaman when I was growing up, I think was massive. Obviously, Peter Schmeichel was just ridiculous. Mm. Wasn't he? he was just a unit and he was just such a thought like a, he sort of changed the game as well yeah of course and then obviously you see people out like Edison I really like Edison because the way he plays but yeah I don't I can't think of anyone locally really that I ever watched because I didn't really spend that much time watching I was always playing it like I said I was always at the park I was I'd rather play it than watch it don't blame me <laughs> <laughs> and just going back to the season ahead of us you've got two away trips coming up now uh, uh, have you spoken about kind of yeah, spoken about already about those games and, and, and kind of what you want to get out of them. Uh, not really. I assume those conversations probably be tomorrow night at training. Yeah. Um, but on the back of last season, obviously we played Thatcher in first game of the season. It was nil-nil. So the hope they, they'll probably be mid-table. We shouldn't be, we should be nearing them. So I can't, it's a winnable game. But again, availability on players might play a part. But yeah, that, well, I think we look at these two games as games that we definitely can win. And I think once we get the first win, or I say second win, and then this little little bad run we're on, I think then we can push on again and start building properly. Yeah, brilliant. And just in terms of the away games, obviously it's you know going away for for Guernsey footballers is the novelty has worn off. I'd imagine now. Um, how, how do you keep things kind of uh, interesting on the road? I mean, uh, is there still the the sort of buzz around when you get on the plane and, and go to the away day? Uh, well, it depends what plane you're on. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're on the red eye, not really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I suppose, I think they. I think everyone enjoys it, but they have to enjoy it. Because if you don't enjoy it, you can't do it because it's such a long day. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I'm a bit boring. I just tend to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it gets me through the day, that. Yeah, don't blame me. Well, best of luck with those games. Best of luck with the rest of the season. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for coming in for a chat. And uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. Perfect. Thank you. Josh Addison speaking to uh, me and Gareth there. Um, yeah, great to see him uh, enjoying his football and, and doing well as well. Um, let's just touch on a few of the other things from the weekend. Uh, Gareth, it was the start of the uh, WSL season. Mayor Letizia was in action um, for Manchester United women. And um, yeah, they uh, came from behind to, to bag a victory on the opening day. Yeah, they were at uh, Villa Park playing against uh, Aston Villa. And Villa took the lead actually in about the 76th minute, I think. And uh, United got a very quick equaliser and then went on the went on the attack to find a winner, which they eventually got in the 93rd minute. And by all accounts, I didn't see the whole game; I only saw sort of bits of it um, intermingled with Ryder Cup footage. And uh, yeah, they they thoroughly deserved their win. But uh, it looks like it's going to be a very competitive competition this year. And uh, United will be they're trying to push on from their second place from last season. They've had quite a few changes in their squad. They've had a big turnover of players. But uh, one one uh, stalwart of that side will be Maya th throughout the whole season, and she played the full ninety at the back, and uh, they uh, they got the result they would have wanted to to kick off the season. 
A couple of big games coming up for Man United women as well. They host Arsenal in the uh, Super League on Friday night. And then they've got the uh, Champions League qualifier against PSG um, across two legs. Um, the first of which is a week on Tuesday. So, um, yeah, at uh, at United. So that's going to be a, a couple of uh, huge games for them right at the start of their season. Um, while we're on the subject of women's football, good news for Guernsey FC women. They've got their first fixture confirmed. It'll be a cup game away at Corinthian Casuals on Friday the 13th of October. Um, we'll be hearing a bit more about that on next week's pod, so stay tuned for that. Um, before we go, Rob, um, while you're here, we've got to let you plug your book. Um, <laughs> Why not? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else on the podcast seems to be pl- plugging a book these days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So why not? Yeah, um, yeah, it's taken quite a bit to get off the ground, and I'm very grateful to Steve Foot at Blue Ormer for doing all the, all the hard work. Um, there are a couple of footballers involved in amongst the 150 profiles, and um, yeah, so that... it's Guernsey's greatest islanders. Yeah, yeah, based of the the 20th century, basically. Should I be flicking through to the the sea? Is it you... <laughs> <laughs> it all depends what you're looking for. Don't you? <laughs> but um, no, you won't find any curves in there. Right? No, no, no. There's no batties either, so don't worry about that. All the provos for that matter. But, um, Doesn't surprise me at all. No, 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 no. But um, no, it's been a lot of hard work, but it's. I'm glad it's it's at an end now and due to be released very soon. Yeah, you do take on these big projects. <laughs> yeah. But, Seems uh, like a good idea at the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, great to see. So that's going to be uh, out uh, later this month. Um, yep, the official launch date is 1st of November, but we should have some hand, oh, hands on the books by the end of October, as I say. Um, be out for Christmas. Yeah, first. brilliant. So you say one footballer, any other? No, two footballers, two footballers in there, and plenty of sportsmen and women. I say sportsmen and women. But, um, yeah, but it's, it's a selection of individuals from all varieties of island life and... Um, Hope people hope people will enjoy it. Well, look out for it, and you're you're back on Twitter with your old handle. You had you had a bit of a Twitter hiatus, but you're back. <laughs> yeah, I did, and uh, yeah, I've been tweeting quite regularly since then. <laughs> no, you I'm can quite enjoying it. Yeah. At Scoop Guernsey, uh, check it out, and you can find the link uh, there, Rob, can't you, on on Twitter slash X um, uh, to to pre-order the book. Um, Good stuff. We'll leave it there then. Thanks very much. Um, thanks as ever to Rehoy and Son for their support um, of the show. We'll be back next Monday with another Guernsey Press football podcast. In the meantime, cheers, guys. See you cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony.